This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, episode number two. Guys, I'm so excited about today's episode. I've been sleep consulting for about five years now, and this is a topic that I am blown away by because so many people are doing this, but they're doing it in secret. I get to talk through the topic of co-sleeping with a mama who is currently co-sleeping, has co-slept with her infant since uh, basically since he was born and uh, what that looked like then, what it looks like now and what she's planning for for the future. I met this mama when I was training for my doula certification and I just loved her energy. I loved uh, her open-mindedness and she came to the table with no judgment I just knew that this was somebody I was going to stay in touch with. And so when she turned to me and said, hey, I'm pregnant, would you be my doula? I was blown away, said, actually, I can't take you on as a client right now, but I'm happy to support you in any other way possible. So we maintain this beautiful friendship. And I remember the day her little dude, Finn, was born. Um, Funny story, they actually thought Finn was going to be a girl until he came out. Uh, Surprise, surprise. And... Kelsey and I have stayed in touch and she has reached out for parenting questions along the way and I just knew that I had to have her on to talk through this topic of co-sleeping because she comes to it with such a real perspective. Uh, It was not her intention to co-sleep and yet she found herself in this space where it just felt right and she had to then figure out how to handle all the judgment and the criticism that would come her way. And what this would look like for her relationship and uh, all the other hiccups and hurdles that might come with this. And how to do so in a society that doesn't support co-sleeping. So you can sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass-Campbell. 
Hey everyone, it's Alyssa. I'm here with a mama who's going to dive into the world of co-sleeping. Well, she already actually dove in with her now almost one-year-old. Wow, I can't believe that Finn is almost one. I remember his birth like it was yesterday. Kelsey and I are going to discuss her choice to co-sleep and everything that went into that, as well as what to do next if co-sleeping isn't for you anymore. I'm so pumped to have you here today for some honest, real conversation, Kelsey. Can you start us off by just sharing a little bit about your story and what led you here today? Absolutely. I'm so glad to be talking with you, too, and we're so glad to have you as a resource. It's been awesome. We are a family of three living in central Maine and doing a lot of farming and homesteading and that kind of stuff. And um, we actually didn't have the intentions of co-sleeping at first. It just kind of happened. Um, but it's been going really well for us. So it's something we're going to stick with until it becomes a problem. Awesome. That's great. I think that there are a lot of people that will resonate with that and can identify with just kind of going with that flow. These tiny humans don't come with a handbook. So I'm excited to kind of yeah. talk through that with you today. Uh, have you co-slept since, you know, you brought him home or uh, was that just something that like you went back and forth on? How did that kind of start for you? Yeah, we, before he was born, I definitely, you know, we had the, the coat, the, you know, bedside sleeper all set up and we had a crib ready for him. And I definitely had every intention of coming home from the hospital and putting him in his crib. And you kind of just, you know, they don't really tell you what is going to happen with your baby. They just kind of send you home. And like, Here you go. Good luck. And so you just think you're going to get home and put the baby in the crib and you'll just fall asleep and then you'll move on to the next thing. But it didn't really happen that way for us. Um, Finley is very, um, very lovey and cuddly and just wants to be with somebody at all times. And we figured that out pretty quickly. And so he just never wanted to even really be put down and he was never really a baby. You could just kind of lay on a mat. He was always like needed to be held, needed to be in a carrier or something like that. So we kind of just, it started off as, you know, we both need to sleep. So if he's sleeping on me, then great. <laughs> we'll just, just go with that. And uh, For sure then it was just kind of something that felt normal. And then, you know, here we are so many months later. And now for me, it feels like it would be hard for me to sleep with him in another room or something, or even not Mm -hmm. just right there. So it's kind of a comfort for both of us at this point. Yeah. Um, So I want to make a distinction here when we're talking about co-sleeping that for people can mean a lot of different things. For some people, it means, you know, co-sleeping as in we just have them in the same room. And for other people, that means bed sharing. And it sounds like a little bit more like bed sharing is what we're talking about here uh, with Finn. Is yes. that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, cool. we had so, a little um, we had a little co-sleeper that went in our bed and it had like the little sides and stuff. So we yeah, tried to use that. Ring. But yeah, and which was super cute. And we were super excited about it. But he was like, nope, you you are too far away. So he really slept <laughs> on, like, on top of me for the first, like, couple months. And now I can sleep with him next to me in the bed. Um, so that's what we're doing. 
That's awesome. Um, so, you know, there's quite a stigma around co-sleeping. In fact, I've done a lot of sleep consultations for folks who co-sleep, and many of them won't even start off telling me they co-sleep because it's, there's some judgment that happens in our society and all that jazz uh, around co-sleeping. And so I kind of want to talk through that a little bit. Did you have any fears or res- reservations about it, uh, just like going in and then in the beginning stages of it? I did. I, you know, you hear so many awful stories about people who, whose babies have died from co-sleeping and, you know, obviously you never want to put your baby in a, in an unsafe situation. Um, and you especially don't want to be the cause of something like that. But Mm -hmm. it, once we were doing it, it never felt wrong. It always felt very right for me. And I never felt unsafe while we were doing it. It's just when when people start asking you about it and you start trying to explain yourself, you're like, well, you know, yeah, I guess something could happen, but, you know, it just felt super normal for me. Yeah, I love that. I love that you were able to trust your instincts and I'm sure you got a number of questions and judgments that came your way and being able to filter that out, especially when you're sleep deprived and, you know, moving yeah. through all the hormones of postpartum it's no easy task to know yeah, that but a wild ride yeah, yeah sure <laughs> um, <laughs> cool so you know what what are some of the common questions that you've gotten from people I think for a lot of people you know it's a lack of understanding of what it looks like and um, there's totally. just so much fear-based info so what what are some questions that you got and how did you work through them or respond to them I would say the number one question, like the first question that I usually get from people is like, doesn't that scare you? Or don't you feel like you're going to, something's going to happen? Don't you feel like you're going to roll over him? Things like, you know, the first thing is like fear usually. Mm-hmm. And then when, even when people get on board with that, they're like, okay, cool. You, you know, you trust yourself. You're not going to roll over him. But then it immediately goes like, but then now you're not sleeping. Like, what is that like for you? And then it eventually trickles down to, but when do you and your husband have sex? This is crazy. So it usually flows through that cycle. Yeah, that's interesting. How do you respond to those? You, well, I usually just try to not get in, into a conversation with it with anybody that I don't <laughs> feel super comfortable with. Um, because mm-hmm. it definitely is a taboo, heated topic. Um, so it's not mm-hmm. something that I really bring up um, if I'm just talking with people who I don't really know that well, but if I'm talking not a grocery store it, aisle conversation, yeah, no, not so much. <laughs> but if I'm talking to family or something like that, then I just kind of like because you know I don't have all the answers, so I just try to be honest and tell them how I'm feeling at the moment, and especially with the fear-related questions that we get at the beginning, it just you know, you just tell them that it feels right and that, um, well, for the most part, I have noticed that cause I used to be a super heavy sleeper and I was always like, you know, it would take a lot to wake me up. But mm-hmm. so I was nervous about the idea of co-sleeping at first, but I've noticed now cause I'm breastfeeding too. And I feel like that makes a big difference. You just have a different connection 
um, when you're doing the breastfeeding. And I've noticed that if he makes like the slightest move, I like wake up and notice. And like, we've never had an issue where I've woken up and he's been like squished into a corner or anything like that. Always very, uh, you know, just works really well. So once people, you know, and it's usually a quick topic, once people get through those questions, they're like, all right. Good. Nice. Thank you. I think it'll benefit a lot of our listeners who are probably getting a lot of the same questions around it if they're choosing to co-sleep. And it's nice for them to hear, A, that they're not alone, that a lot of people are getting these questions, and B, kind of how to field them, how to handle them. Um, Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, for sure, especially when it comes from people who you love and who, you know, they mean well, I'm sure. Uh, It's just they don't know what else to ask, and it's something they can't understand. Yeah, right. That's what they made it. They may not have experience with it, and it is because before I did it, I would have thought the same thing. We always had imagined having him in a separate space, and I, you know, I totally get the fear that people have when they haven't done it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good, and frankly, so hard. I love what I do, and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out, and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much, and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Cool. So is there like a certain age that you've been like, all right, by this age, we want to move them out, or you're just going with the flow and seeing where this leads? Yeah, it feels like, you know, when we first started, I probably thought in my mind, oh, by the time he's a year, we'll totally be done with this. But now that that age is fast approaching, um, it doesn't really feel like there's an end in sight. 
necessarily because it's just working for both of us. So I feel like at this point, I think it's either going to be when it starts to be an issue, like if it's affecting his sleep or affecting my sleep or something, or if we have another, you know, if we get pregnant, have another baby, I'm not sure exactly how that will go, but it's definitely a go with the flow situation for us right now. That's awesome. You touched on a couple things there that I have some questions about. One would be what, what does sleep look like? You said that when he stirs, you kind of stir. So what do those sleep patterns look like for you and him? Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy because I, for me, I can't imagine having to get up and go and get like, go to him if he was crying in the middle of the night, because I feel like that would wake me up so much more than just Mm -hmm. having to, you know, kind of half wake up and feed him quickly and then he'll settle back down. But so usually, I mean, starting pretty early, he doesn't cry at night because he's right there. So he'll just like start to stir. And before he even opens his eyes, I can like get in there and feed him. And sometimes all he needs, he doesn't even need to eat. He just needs that little bit of reassurance that I'm still right there. And so he'll fall right back asleep and then I fall right back asleep. So even now when we wake up at night, it's usually only for a minute or two and then we're both back asleep. Okay. So um, that for me feels so much better than having to get up and yeah, even sure. go to a crib in the same room. That's interesting. I remember my mom, my mom also breastfed and I have four siblings. Um, she was a stay-at-home parent and she actually had every intention of co-sleeping. Um, and she is probably the least anxious person I've ever met in my life. And <laughs> she's just like very, very calm and, and she'll, um, well, sometimes we're like, hey, do you have an emotion going on there? Uh, and she said that when she had my, my brother, Eric, the oldest, that she found very quickly that it was the opposite for her, where like she kept waking up kind of in a panic. Um, and mm-hmm. of course she ended up moving moving him out. But she said the hardest part was just like getting out of bed and going to him. Yeah. And she was like, she ended up getting, you know, it worked out better for her in terms of her quality of sleep and all that jazz. But she was like, every single time was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. <laughs> like walking yeah, through the room. Totally. But I totally get that feeling of waking up every five seconds and making sure because that happened a little bit more when he was much younger and obviously you know he woke up more often when he was right like a newborn also but I definitely had that feeling of waking up and checking on him but for me it was easier with him in the bed because I think either way I'd still wake up and wonder if he was okay and if he's right next to me, I can see clearly he's fine. Whereas if he was in, you know, another space, I'd have to, I'd feel like I need to get up and go check on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, how often do you find yourself like waking up with him throughout the night? It's funny. I was trying to think about that in preparation for this. And I, <laughs> I really don't even know because I never, you know, I'm never awake enough to look at a clock or, anything mm-hmm. like that. I just know that it's still dark out. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's only a once. Sometimes I don't even feel like I wake up at all. And, yeah. you know, he was, had his first kind of 
cold for a couple days a couple weeks back and he kind of reverted back to newborn sleep patterns a little bit so he was up a little more during that and I remember feeling really tired because I was waking <laughs> up a little more but normally I I think it's maybe once That's a night awesome. that he like wakes up or something it's so good. It's really for great. A lot of our listeners, yeah, I think it's good for a lot of our listeners to hear. In that, I get a lot of people who come to me and they're like, "Ugh, I'm so cozy leaving. I know I shouldn't be. Like, do I have to move them out of my room or bed to for them to sleep through the night?" And almost always that answer is no. <laughs> they're like, "Cozy yeah. sleeping isn't isn't the issue here. Um, it's how we respond to them, right? Um, and what mm-hmm. their comfort level is." Um, but I think it's really good for, for parents to hear that if co-sleeping is what feels right for you and your family, that you can still get quality sleep that way. And so can your tiny baby. Yeah, um, totally. Cool. Um, awesome. So uh, you also mentioned having another tiny human. Uh, yeah, I guess I would love to hear more about what do you think that could look like? I mean, if now Finn is used to kind of feeding from you whenever he wants throughout the night and having you right there, how could that look for both you, for a future child, and for Finn in in that like transition? Yeah, we've we've talked a little bit about it, and I think our goal is to wait a little longer. I'd like him to be like two or three or so before we have another. But as you know, life happens, so we'll see if that <laughs> actually uh, we can actually hold out. Uh, and I'm already <laughs> seeing other little babies that are younger than him and starting to get baby fever again but <laughs> well and I think when I met you he was not uh not a, not a planned babe no he was not so yeah um you know what Surprises they say about happened. people <laughs> yeah what people who use natural family planning they call those people parents and <laughs> so that's uh what category we fall into <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny um <laughs> yeah so so I guess what would it look like um, so if ideally, even if he was two or three, would you then be looking to move him out of the bed? Or like, what is, I guess, what is the marker of two or three? What, it, How would that change things for you? Yeah, I think my thought is that he might get to a point where like my stirring or just, you know, being with another person could like I'm trying to be mindful of am I keeping him in the bed for me or is does it because mm-hmm. he's sleeping better? Because as soon as his sleep isn't mm-hmm. isn't as good as it was maybe before, then I think it would be a time to try to move him um, just so he can get the best sleep possible. And if I'm pregnant and rolling around and getting – up 10 times to the bathroom, then I don't want that to be affecting his sleep. So I think we would probably reevaluate if we were thinking about if we managed to stick to our goal and we're thinking about trying to have another baby. I might, you know, if he's older and able to talk, I might talk with him about it and see, like, do you want to try to, you know, sleep in your own bed? And try to you know because I don't want to I definitely don't want to force him out and be like you know oh we're having another baby now and now that baby gets to sleep in the bed and you have to you're banished and you know (laughs) I don't want him to resent the baby (laughs) because Mm -hmm. of of that but 
at the same time, if he feels like he doesn't, you know, he says, no, I still want to sleep with you. And it's not affecting his sleep. Then we might just get one of those. Have you seen those giant co-sleeping beds? That I've been going yeah, around online. Bed. Yeah, we might just get one of those. <laughs> get the whole, um, it's cheaper in heating costs because you only have to heat and cool one bedroom, which we found is <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's true. No, I think that that's really mindful, I think, you know, taking into consideration how how he's affected. And, you know, I, I like how you pointed out, like, am I doing this for him or for me? Uh, I think it's yeah. amazing that you're mindful of that. Uh, yeah, cool. Definitely, so, I definitely love like snuggling him at night. There's nothing better. Oh my gosh, for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, are you? Are there any negatives you would share that you've come across that you're like, oh, this is a drawback to co-sleeping for us? Yeah, I mean, I think everything has its pros and cons, and I, for us, the um, the pros of it outweigh the cons. But I think some of those would be um, right now our sleeping situation is a little different too because my husband is working a lot and um, was working like seven days a week during the summer and getting up really early because he worked outside did a lot of landscaping so it just worked better for us because with us you know moving and nursing and all of that stuff sometimes it would wake him up and it was affecting his sleep and mm-hmm. since Finley sleeps in pretty late, um, we're lucky for that. We usually sleep until about eight. So Nick would have to get up a lot earlier. So it just worked better for us to have two um, bedrooms. And so Nick sleeps in one and then Finley and I sleep in another. And that has like, is kind of a con, but it has worked pretty well for us at the same time. Um, so awesome. I think that I'm sure yeah, outweighs it. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening right now that are like, what? You don't sleep in bed with your husband. Uh, you are definitely yep. not the first person that I've met that that's the case. Uh, I would love to talk through that with you if you feel comfortable doing so. Totally. Yeah. So I guess like, do you, uh, my first question would be, how does that affect your relationship or does it? I think it does. I think there's definitely something to say for sleeping next to your partner at night there's even if you're not you know because I was always like a night owl so he would always go to bed before me mm-hmm. so I would like get in bed and he'd be sleeping but there's definitely mm-hmm. something about just even being next to your person that is nice and all that so it definitely um has but because of that because I always came in later anyway there wasn't I don't feel like we're missing out on like a portion of our intimacy that we used to have. I feel like we always kind of found other times and situations for that. So I don't feel like it's um, negatively affected us in that way. It's just, you know, something that is a little different and something we had to kind of get used to, but seems to work well. And if, you know, his job situation works differently later on we might switch it up or you know I'm sure as Finley gets older he's going to be more you know more attached to to him to to his dad and stuff and he might even want to sleep cuddled up next to him instead of me so 
we'll yeah. cross that bridge when we come to it. But I feel like it hasn't been. I mean, it's you know, it's definitely something that is wouldn't be right for everybody. But it yeah, for, sure. for us. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. I, I love so many things that you just mentioned just now. Um, a, that clearly intimacy doesn't just happen at night in bed with just the two of you there, like that's not how this game works. Um, and yeah. just putting that out there and being mindful of that as couples in general. Um, and, you know, even for, for couples who uh, are new parents and are new to this game and even trying to like find times to be intimate and how that looks when you have a kid in the mix now and you don't know what night and day is and <laughs> you're sleep deprived and yeah. all that, I think like it's finding that no matter what. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no matter um, where the baby's sleeping, you're not going to be as uh, having as much time for uninterrupted intimacy as you did before. For sure. Uh, I think that's an important thing to note. I also really like uh, kind of like the evolution of what co-sleeping could look like for you guys and that like if you did have another kid, Finley might sleep with dad instead of with mom. Uh, and that's just like a new way to kind of go about it. I love that. Um Yeah. I worked with a family recently who was in a similar situation that you are where they had uh, their first tiny human had been sleeping with mom and dad was in another bed. And when she got pregnant, it was the same thing. She was getting up, she was going to the bathroom and they were like, this isn't working anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. But their tiny human wasn't ready to be sleeping by himself. He'd only ever been with mom. And so they transitioned him into dad's bed and then dad and the tiny human got to sleep together. And then when, the new baby was coming, new baby could sleep with mom. And I think there are so many options out there other than, okay, when we're done here, you go in a crib in a room by yourself. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that someone else has successfully done that because I feel like that's definitely like a a strong possibility of something that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just like, you know, there, we have this idea of what sleep looks like. (laughs) Um, And it's just not almost ever real. (laughs) Um, but everyone's going to come up with what works for them. And that's just such an important thing here about co-sleeping and hopefully trying to re- like 
reduce the stigma around it so that people can honest, have honest conversations and share different ideas that have worked for them so we can help support each other on this and not just you keep the child in your room for the uh, recommended six months in their own crib and then right, they go yeah. to their own room, right? Like, Exactly. That's not the game most people right, <laughs> are playing. I think, you know, yeah. there's still something to say about making sure we have safe sleep and um, you know, you can you can do that in a, in a number of ways and still bed share and all that jazz. Uh, totally. Because um, I know that those like tragedies happen every day, I'm sure, and it's you know, awful and you like never want that to happen. But I definitely think there's a safe a safe way to do it. And I think that breastfeeding had a huge, hmm. has a huge um, impact on it. And I've read some articles about it saying that, cause I've obviously don't have an experience otherwise, cause I, this is our only child and we've only ever breastfed, but they say that there's something like you just have more of that, like somewhere in your brain, your brain is thinking like there's a baby right there. Cause it's kind of what we were designed to do was to mm-hmm. have a baby and have it right there and nurse it at night. And I think I saw one pro co-sleeping thing online that was like, a you know, a mother bear wouldn't put their baby bears to bed in different caves. Mm-hmm. It's like all sleep together and it just makes more sense for some people. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, the, the distinction there is that, the mother bear also wouldn't be sleeping in like a very cushy bed with a comforter yeah. and all the totally. <laughs> right, like all the other things. Um, yeah, and that's, that's just another thing that I've had to adjust to that you reminded me of. I've always used to like sleep in the cold room with comforters up over my head, and now I I sleep with a sweatshirt on and I keep the covers down on my waist. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. a big like adjustment for me. But once I started, it like feels totally normal now. But I think that's like there are definitely like key points that if you're going to be bed sharing that are really important. Yeah. I think that those are the distinctions that if, if there wasn't a stigma, more people could be sharing their experiences with other people and helping them out. And I think that would be more Mm -hmm. effective at reducing the rate of SIDS than just saying don't bed share, which people aren't doing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Because people are going to bed share no matter what. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Awesome. So you had originally reached out and asked like about naps and how that might affect bedtime. We can chat a little bit about that. Do you have a specific question there? Yeah, we just have kind of been following his schedule for this whole time because I have been lucky enough to stay at home with him. Um, Mm -hmm. So we haven't had to put him in daycare where they have like a kind of more rigid nap schedule. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of for a while we're letting him fall asleep when he got tired and he had some pretty strong sleepy cues so it was always easy to see like all right you're getting tired now let's do this but if you know I went down to sit down with him for a nap and he didn't fall asleep I just say okay we're gonna be up for a little while longer and that has worked for a little while but I definitely had noticed that his bedtimes weren't consistent and he was getting really fussy towards the end of the night and he'd have this like long period of um just being really angry like he would wake up from his second or third nap of the day at like four or five o'clock and then he'd just be like fussy for like two or three hours until he fell asleep again 
And so that just like wasn't mm-hmm. working. And so that's when I reached out to you and we kind of talked more about nap timing and nap schedules. And since then I've been trying to kind of just like be more aware of his patterns and try to like um, nail it down even when we're out and about and stuff. And now I think we have a pretty, like a better flow going on than we did before because he doesn't have that like fussy hour at night, which he had for so long. And we just thought that was like part of him and like who he was. Mm -hmm. And now he doesn't do that anymore. We just like make sure that he doesn't fall asleep past a certain or isn't still asleep past a certain time. And then he is usually pretty ready to go to bed by, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock, which has been good, but I feel like we could still definitely use some tweaking and, um, you know, it'd be great to have like a really like consistent nap schedule. Cause it just makes like running errands and stuff like that so much easier. <laughs> Cause that always messes it up. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I find it helpful to just like, even if you track it for a week and see like, is there a pattern to this? Um, I mean, we know with sleep pressure that their awake time should get longer as the day goes on. Um, yeah. And you know, sometimes we'll start to see a sleepy cue and it's almost out of like habit. It's like when you start to get a little bit hungry and you're like, versus when you're hangry. Um, Mm -hmm. And we want to find that middle window of like, between like, I could use a snack and like, oh my gosh, I need to eat right now or I'm going to lose my mind. We want to find the spot of like, all right, I'm ready for a meal. And it's kind of the same with sleep that we don't want it right at the beginning when it's like, all right, I could snooze a little bit. Um, but we also don't want them like so overtired that they really are having a hard time snoozing. And yeah, that's what we're looking at with, with nap times is trying to find that, that sweet spot with sleep pressure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's helpful to just like really track it for a little bit and see like, what are the patterns? What are we looking at? And then be able to kind of come to the table with some of that data and see like, how are they responding with different, on different days with different sleep pressure and finding their sweet spot. Yeah, it's so amazing, like, how much, because you don't really think about it before you have a kid or if you don't have a lot of experience with young children. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. everybody knows that kids take naps, but naps are good, and (laughs) if they don't take them, they'll be cranky. But you don't really realize how important the timing is and how much, like, science there is behind it. Yeah, it really is a science. Uh, It is is pretty incredible. And something that, I guess, as I've learned more about it, I've realized, like, isn't really out there. The information is not readily available. Being able to hopefully spread that through seed and sow is my goal. Be able to give those yeah. resources to people. Absolutely. That's like so important and so helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting about, you know, just co-sleeping in general and what that looks like for your family and sharing a different perspective for families who might be feeling like the AAP recs aren't what what works best for their family. Um, I think it's really, really important to hear different perspectives. And I'm really grateful for you for coming on. Um, Can you share with our audience where they could connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Facebook uh, under Kelsey McGrath. And um, I'm also on Instagram. I think it's Kelsey H. McGrath. And I think both of those, you have to request me, but I'm more than happy to make new friends out there, especially um, people with other tiny humans. It's always great to expand that 
um, collection of resources. And if anybody has any questions about co-sleeping, you can um, more than welcome to reach out. It's been really great sharing, and I hope that it helps somebody out there to get through some of the tough spots. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I'll link to those in the show notes, uh, both your Facebook and your Instagram. Um, and a little bird told me you were going to have a podcast coming out this spring. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's going to be about? Yeah, I'm really excited to um, launch. It's hopefully going to be um, launching in early spring, maybe March-ish. Um, there are a lot of really great local farms and things here where I live in Maine, and I had listened to other podcasts from other states like California and things that had really great you know, things about like what's in season and highlighting local farms. And I realized there really wasn't anything like that for Maine. And we have so much of that going on. I thought it would be helpful for people who are just starting out with gardening or things like that to kind of have an all-in-one resource. So I'm hoping that it helps some people and um, we can be podcast buddies. That's awesome. Uh, We will definitely share that once it's up and running and I'm so excited for your journey. Thanks again, Kelsey, for coming on and touched base with me and sharing your experience about ghost sleeping. Thank you so much, and keep doing all of the awesome things that you do. You're a very valuable resource to the parenting community. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.seedandsow.org slash podcast. If you love the show, take two minutes to leave a review and spread the love. Thanks for joining our village. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.